Welcome to LifeWords Q&A. It's uh, very nice to have you company for another 20 minutes or so where we can uh, chat to David Ray and just discuss life and faith and uh, get some of those really prickly questions out there and uh, put David on the spot. So that's what we're going to do, David. First question is, I can't recall when I became a Christian and I get a bit worried when I hear of others being able to remember the exact time and the exact circumstances. Should I be worried? Well, not really. Um, if the question is worried, I should be worried. <laughs> I, uh, I can't testify to any particular time or date or place that I became a Christian. Many people can. In fact, uh, not long ago in the church, which I pastor, I, I, sh I had a bit of sharing in the congregation and asked people how they became Christians. Some of them said I walked forward at a crusade. I was at a meeting. I chatted to a friend and it all changed then. Others, and I'm included, say, well, we don't really know um, when we became a Christian. You see, the real issue is whether there's evidence you're a Christian now. Because, you see, if we put too much emphasis on, oh, yes, I went forward at the 1979 Billy Graham crusade or whatever, uh, we can tend to rely on that. Um, but but you, you remember, being a Christian not only involves actually committing your life to Christ, but it's a life living out of it. So it's no point in relying on a date or event in the past if your present circumstances seem to deny your faith. Um, it, it, I, I think it seems that some people who are born into Christian families generally sort of tend to accept the faith. Some turn away from it later on, but they're sort of, they're, they're, I don't know, they're sort of enfolded into the faith in a very gentle and gradual way. Uh, not that we're born Christians, I'm not saying that. But I think if they, particularly those who are born in a Christian family, born in a Christian family, have this 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 context in which they grow up. Later, as I say, they have to, as it were, make their own decision. But it could be that that decision might not be a very radical one, but rather a sort of a gradual appreciation and personal appropriation of the faith that's been expressed by their parents. Mind you, um, I'm not even in that category because my parents were fine parents but, and fine, fine people, but I don't think they would classify themselves as Christians. But I, again, grew up in a culture where I was sent to church, sent to Sunday school, and I think I absorbed a fair bit of uh, Christian stuff through those means. And I can't think of any time when I didn't believe in God uh, or thought it was all a load of rubbish um, I think there was always that sense that I needed God's mercy. And I presume at some stage in my life, I may have actually made a small step in appropriating that, but I, but it's not dramatic enough for me to remember it. I always felt that God was there. I always felt that um, God, I, I needed God's mercy. So look, I, I would put it to this um, this question, and no, it, you don't have to remember the exact time and circumstances. If you are continuing to, what we might generally say, walk with the Lord now, don't worry about it. There probably was a time when you crossed over from death to life. But if you can't exactly put your finger on it, don't worry, because God deals with us very much as unique individuals. He doesn't just simply make conversion a, a, um, a, a particular event that has to be done in a particular way at every time with every person. So you don't think it's important necessarily for a person to have prayed a prayer of commitment or a sinner's prayer, all that kind of thing? Well, well, well you can. I mean, it's, it's wonderful to do that. As a matter of fact, I've got to say, to qualify what I've just said, it's wonderful, I think, if you can remember a time. It's wonderful. See, some people have come, as it were, from gutter to glory, you know, and they mm. write the books about 
how I was a terrible person and yeah. and and look at me now sort of thing. Um, I was never. I was always a very respectable rebel against God. I think I was never a, a, a you know a terribly wicked, evil person. And uh, sometimes it can be good to look back and say, "Wow, my life changed overnight." So I I, I do think if saying a prayer like that can be can be a very helpful thing. But we've got to be so careful. That prayer in and of itself doesn't make you a Christian. Going forward at a Billy Graham crusade doesn't make you a Christian, as Billy Graham himself would testify to that. No, they are expressions of something that's going on inside your heart. Okay. You're listening to LifeWords Q&A with David Ray. I'm Andrew Morris. And each week we discuss questions revolving around your faith and life and how they both work out together in this world. The second question from one of uh, our listeners is, Jesus once said that if we believe we've received something, then we really will receive it. This sounds a bit too good to be true, is it? Well, that's a really hard saying. Um, I think it's one of the more difficult sayings of prayer. Jesus has a few difficult sayings on prayer. He seems to be almost promising too much, and this is one of them. Um, see, the, 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 let's be blunt. The vast majority of Christians find that this isn't literally true. It doesn't happen. Mm. Um, I can believe I've received something and not received it. Um, so, so, you see, faith isn't simplistic, positive thinking. Um, that's a very, very wrong understanding of faith. There are some books around the place that sort of that stress this visualization process. I visualize, I imagine that I've got it, and I will have it. Well, that's more in the realm, to be honest, of magic and superstition and um, psychology rather than faith. Uh, and I don't think Jesus ever promises to give us all we ask for um, in any case because he won't give us bad things, no matter how much we reckon we've got them. So we can't take him fully literally here. Um, it, it, I've got to make, make, make it clear that Jesus so often uses exaggeration. Hate your mother and father. Chop off your right hand, you know, easier for a rich man to, harder for a rich man to get into heaven than a camel going through the eye of a needle. These are are Jesus sort of overstating something in order to make a point. See, I think a mistaken approach is that, okay, I say I want something that I figure could be God's will. It's certainly my will. And so I lock my mind into absolute certainty that I'll get it. I almost play a game with myself. I am certain that I'm going to get it. I am certain that I'm going to get it. Now, the problem is, and, and when we believe, we've already got it. Now, the problem with that is that we mistake our own wishes for God's will and mistake psychological certainty for faith. So I have encountered some Christians over the years who are terribly, terribly sick, bedridden, and yet say to me, I am healed. And I want to say to them, no, you're not. You may become healed. You may be on the road to healing. You may quite rightly pray for healing. But to simply say, I really am healed... I think is actually not faith, but simply playing mind games. And that sounds terribly cruel to say, but I don't believe that's the way Jesus operated when he healed someone. He jolly well healed them. You know, they didn't stay sick. Um, so I, I, I think we can... can uh, I, I think a better way of approaching it is to perhaps... It might sound similar to that mistaken approach I've just outlined, but I like to think of it rather in terms of some sort of mind control, some sort of imaginative construction of what we might want. But we've got to be very careful. Um, You see, I operate on the bottom line that God is working for good in my life. Mm. And so what I want to do is to constantly have in my mind an attitude of mind, a perspective which is always imagining the good things that God is doing in my life. 
I trust God to be faithful and I trust that I can rest in God and receive gratefully whatever he chooses to give. So I discipline my mind and will to think along those lines rather than dwelling on the negatives uh, and my own anxieties. If I'm anxious about my health, uh, for example, well, well, that could make my health worse. Instead, what I say is, God, I know you are working good, and that good could include physical healing. Uh, I know you're working good, so I'm going to use my mind, my imagination, my my self-discipline to to have my mind, as it were, embracing the good reality of God, but I won't be necessarily sure what precise shape that good will take. That's where I differ from that um, rather simplistic approach. So what about declarations? So uh, often churches will declare things and get the congregation to declare things, um, and they're based on Scripture. So let's say, for example, I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ from Ephesians. Uh, is there anything wrong with making biblical declarations over your life? Oh, no, no. In that particular case, it's a, it's... Scriptural truth, isn't it? I, I, I'm endowed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Um, what you've got to ask yourself is what, is, what that means. Yeah. Um, as, as, what, what are the spiritual blessings in Christ? To declare, to have the church, to have people declare that as a Christian I'm a child of God, to declare that I will have eternal life, to declare that I have the fullness of the Holy Spirit living in me, to declare I have a role to play in this church, to declare that God loves me, to declare that there's no condemnation. Absolutely, absolutely right. I think we've got to do more of that. And I think that's along the lines of what I was saying about this um, a wiser approach to this particular text of Jesus, that I think we do declare the things that we know for sure, but some things we don't know for mm. sure. Are we going to get better? Is that friend going to become a Christian? And so on and so on. It is so easy to, for us to confuse our declaring and even claiming the promises of God, which I'm fully in favour of, and extending that illegitimately to um, sort of, as it were, enlisting God to get my own way. Yeah, I was reading uh, Timothy Keller's book on prayer, and he recalls um, a story, I think it's Whitford, or, or uh, a, a, yeah, a preacher from England from... George Whitfield. Yeah, mm. I, I think he, he, re, he retells the story of George Whitfield uh, praying for his son who was sick and declaring that he would be healed and feeling that God told him that he would be healed and declaring that to the congregation, and unfortunately his son died. Mm. Um, and uh, he, he, he recalls uh, that, yeah, he sort of was imposing his, mm. his beliefs and his idea of what God was saying on his child. He sure was, and you can understand. <clears throat> yeah. uh, because when people declare this, um, I've been in healing situations where people have uh, basically declared that so-and-so is healed, and I, I mean, again, this might sound terribly cynical, but what I'm wondering is, are these people really sort of imposing their own personal wishes and desires, very yeah. legitimate ones, yeah. on God, rather than just simply saying, I would love you to be healed and I'm praying passionately that you be healed, I long for your healing, to then turn around and say, I declare that God is going to heal you. You have to be very careful. And Whitfield, a spiritual giant that he was, perhaps was unwise, as he probably later reflected, because the problem is once you make these declarations and the thing doesn't happen, you run the risk of many people turning off mm. Christ, and particularly the individual Christian who looks at a text like this fairly literally and says, beauty, I'm going to name it and claim it sort of thing. When it doesn't happen, they say, well, it didn't work for me, did it? I'm going to give up the whole thing. 
Thanks, David. You're listening to LifeWords Q&A. If you'd like to uh, subscribe to David's daily devotional email, it's called LifeWords. You can sign up on the Hope website, hope1032.com.au, and you'll get it in your inbox Monday to Friday. It's a great read and a great encouragement at the start of the day. David, our final question for this episode is, Jesus tells me to love my enemies, but how can I love cruel terrorists who do terrible things? Yeah, I mean, you've got that image, haven't you, of... uh certain certain people in the Middle East doing horrible things to Christians and, and others as well. And uh, as someone said to me, actually, this is a very common question, someone said to me not long ago, well, how do I love that person, you know? Uh, well, look, let me just say this. Jesus, when he was talking about loving your enemies, um, is speaking in the context of personal relationships. So it's more about individuals who seek to hurt us rather than more distant individuals or groups. I think that's one thing we've got to say. Has 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 a has a has one of those radical terrorists ever done the wrong thing by me personally? No. Um but but I, I, that doesn't justify what they're doing. But I am not in a personal relationship with those people. And I think Jesus here is urging us not to take personal revenge or to let enmity shape and distort our lives. He 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 People might want evil or, or might wish evil on us, but we want to wish blessing and good on them. And at the, the most bottom line, basic point that Jesus is saying, love your enemies, is don't hit back. Mm. They might hurt you, but don't you hurt them back. Now, when it comes to terrorists or others at a distance from us, a government or, 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 a, or a regime or something, some things do change. Because, you see, criminality has to be punished. It, it, we've got to be careful. Jesus is talking about personal relationships. And in this context, he, he goes on to say, turn the other cheek. He's not saying turn the other cheek to criminal action. He's saying turn the other cheek to personal insult because the slap on the cheek was not regarded as assault, but simply as a personal insult. So, so, so when it comes to terrorists or others at a distance from us... Um, we, we're engaging there in the situation of criminality. But you see, even, even in personal relationships, if, if, if someone robs my house um, then um, or steals my car, I'm perfectly entitled to take legal action against them. They've committed a crime and all the biblical arguments about respecting authority come into being there. You see, we don't love terrorists by tolerating their actions or simply trying to be nice or saying, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. It does matter. Um, I... I reckon, in practice, the only way we love the terrorist is through praying that they would have a change of heart. I can't do anything personal about them. It's silly to say I won't hit back. Well, I've got no power to hit back at them anyway. Um, But I don't let hatred of their actions become a bitter hatred, for example, of religion or an ethnic group. How appalling it is when when we develop bitterness or hatred towards a particular ethnic or religious group of people because of the actions of some of those people. And I think this is where the loving your enemies, I think, does come in. Uh, I, th- I think we, we don't hit back in terms of cultivating personal bitterness towards that group. But we, we pray for their conversion. We let justice, though, take its course. We don't say, oh, it doesn't really matter. You see, I can love someone even while hoping that that person is justly dealt with and they cease their wrongdoing. But I'd say, look, bottom line is, at a distance, the terrorist um, illustration is, I want to pray for justice and I want to pray for a change of heart and conversion for them. And I think that's the limit of our love. You've been listening to LifeWords Q&A with David Ray. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week where we talk about the book of Revelation, also looking at um, 
attitudes to parents and uh, believing the Bible as the Word of God. That's next week on LifeWords Q&A.